So this topic, believe it or not, has been debated. Should we or should we not screen our student athletes and students for decades? And in the ivory towers of medicine, it's controversial. Um, in October, we presented to every single pedi pediatric doctor in the United States a few hours after Dr. Fauci. Now, we only had eight minutes, but we got in there, got out. And it was about Brevard County being the first school district in America its size to require heart screens for every kid and the results since. So in our mind, it was the beginning of dropping the mic to prove that this is a standard of care that should be done in America. How is it possible that you know we, we waited this long? And to me, it's just a lack of creativity and understanding and what technology can do through telemedicine. And just, and you're an academic a little bit, so you probably know how this works, but academics not getting in the arena and uh, working out the details. My name is Dr. Mark Williams. Welcome to my masterclass. I have a PhD in education from West Virginia University. I have a master's in sport management and an MBA from the University of Massachusetts. I even have an undergraduate degree in sociology from William Patterson University. And currently, I'm the Global Scholar Practitioner at HBCU, Florida Memorial University. But I also work for three of the largest sports brands in the world, Reebok, Champ Sports, and Foot Action, but I can't go anywhere without my Jordan 1s. Join me and my guests as we explore their rise to the top through adversity and challenges. It's time to help you find a hero in you. Welcome to my masterclass. We are back again. How's everyone doing? This is Dr. Mark Williams, Dr. Mark's podcast. I'm excited to be here. Uh, you know I'm representing Jordan Brand all day, every day with my hoodie, and I got the Jordan 1s always with me everywhere I go. And I got, check this out, I got the Call of Duty Cold War, um, you know, the rig headsets. You know, there's only 10 of these in the whole United States. They don't sell them in the United States. But we're going to have a, a guest on at some point. He's going to talk to us why I have this headset. Do you know, I'm not going to, I'm not trying to stunt or be cool, but I am cool because I got these headsets. And, you know, if you were to sell them in the open market right now, it goes for like 1500 bucks. Yeah, but that's why I'm keeping them inside this box right here. And it's not leaving my side. But today we have a very special guest. But before we go on, I want to always, always encourage you to practice what? You know, wear your mask. Wear your mask. Yeah, I've got the city of Miramar, Florida. That's where I represent, of course, Mayor Messam. What's up, brother? My frat brother, A5. Yes, all day, every day. And also my university, Florida Memorial University, Dr. Hardrick, Dr. Cooper. Thank you. I love you so much. But today we're going to talk to a very interesting young man. Well, who is he? Okay. Well, I'll tell you who he is. He's a young man that um, I've come to meet because one of my colleagues, um, she is the head athletic trainer at uh, Florida Memorial University. So she says, Mark, I want to talk to you about um, getting screening for EKGs for athletes. I said, yeah, we, we can talk about that at HBCUs because a lot of the black community, uh, the number one killer before COVID was heart disease. And we said, well, let's, let's see what we could do. And then unfortunately during COVID, a lot of young people were getting COVID that were athletes and some people have died from that. And they were trying to figure out what is going on with this COVID disease. But at the same time, um, how does it play a role in the heart? in terms of your heart. And so this young man has created a nonprofit 
that deals with that. And and I, I'm, I'm going to talk to you about that. But before we go on, uh, I want to also say uh, thank you to Esports Futuri Podcast Network. Uh, we also want to thank Innovation Media Enterprises, Sia and Aaron holding it down, AJ on the one and twos. No, AJ's not a DJ. He's a sound engineer. He just graduated. I say ones and twos because that's part of the culture. But I want to say peace to that brother right there because he's the one that makes me sound good. Okay. And Aaron and Sia, two amazing women that are holding it down with this podcast. Thank you so much for everything. And of course, we cannot do it without Jacob Miles III. He was the the RZA, the head. Yes. If you like Wu-Tang Clan, y'all need to go look, go to YouTube. Okay. He's the RZA. He's the head. Yes. Jacob Miles III. Not the second, not the first, but the third. Yes. So without further ado, let me introduce you to this young man. His name is Irvin Ernst. Okay. Ernst. E-R-N-S-T, E-R-N-S-T, E-R-N-S-T. Yes, I can't make this stuff up. He's got a good beat twist of his name. You know what I'm saying? So he's the co-founder and executive director of Who We Play For. And um, this young man, his organization is one of the largest uh, heart screening nonprofits in the country. And the mission is to reduce the sudden cardiac arrest in youth by providing affordable cardiac screening. That's is pretty empowering. These like, what does that have to do with esports? It has a lot to do with esports and gaming because young people don't have a rate a really good diet when they're playing their video games. Sometimes they're sitting in front of the, the game, the TV, and playing their games or in front of their computers, their PC, or whatever they're doing. And we don't know what they're eating and drinking. We don't know what their fitness uh, regimen is, and we really need to know what that is. And I think this plays a major role in it. But let's let's do this. Let's bring the expert on and have. Have him talk to talk. Have him talk to us a little bit about why he's doing this and who he is, where he comes from. Because I'm curious. This young man is, is pretty special. So without further ado, let's bring up Evan Ernst. Evan Ernst. E R N S T. E R N S T. What's up, brother? How you doing, man? Hey, thank you, Doctor Williams. Man, I need I need to talk to you every single morning. This is good. This yeah. is really good. I need to wake up to that on my alarm clock. Now, have you ever heard anybody do the beat E R N E? I mean, that's dope, right? Hey, let me give it to you. My middle name is English. So now I'm triple E in that. Oh, song. triple E. Let me see. <laughs> Evan E R N S T. Triple E E E. Let me stop. <laughs> I need to stop. I'm bugging right now. So, what's That's up, man? Totally How are good. you? I'm living the dream, brother. Living the dream. Thanks for having me on. I love that the universe brought us together. Yes, it's a beautiful thing. So tell me, how 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 did you come about creating such a, an amazing organization? And before you tell us that, why did you create this amazing organization? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I grew up in a really small town in Florida. Mm. And we were, unfortunately, we weren't obsessed with esports. We were obsessed with soccer. Mm-hmm. And we played soccer with the same group of kids since we were five or six years old. Mm-hmm. And in our tiny town, in our minds, the entire pursuit of life was about a high school state championship. I don't know if you remember those days, Dr. Williams, a few years ago when you're running track relays. I love you. Love, you love it when he said he said a few years ago. I love this young man right here. <laughs> so for us, it was, it was all about uh, town of 10,000. Everything revolved around our little school. Mm-hmm. We went to the perennial loser in sports. But as kids, like we had this vision that we could recruit kids to come to our school and we could break that and be the first uh, first time our school and it's 60 year history ever had a competitive soccer team. Mm. Um, we did that as kids and, and we got close to a state championship and we ended up losing to the number one team in the country. And mm. our, our coach actually didn't even show up to that game. So it was a really crazy scenario. But the reason we started who we play for was because a few, a few months before that game, um, we watched my little brother's best friend 
an hour lifelong teammate collapse and die with us mm-hmm. on the soccer field in our arms. So we showed up just like a regular day, the day after he scored the game winning goal against one of our rivals, 30 minutes after he did a podcast um, in his technology class about what his goals for our team were and what his favorite sport and who his favorite players were. He showed up to run an 800, had an underlying heart condition, passed every single sports physical, and then collapsed and died at practice. So when Rafe died, we had no clue that what he represented was thousands of kids in America, whether you're a gamer or a soccer player or a track star like Dr. Williams, um, kids with underlying heart conditions who had no clue. And we definitely had no clue that cardiac arrest was the leading cause of death in sports, in all of children, and in schools in America. So wow. That was the, the genesis of who we play for and where it came to life is a few years later when we all went up to Florida State. Go Knowles. We're on the comeback from football. Stay tuned. <laughs> um, and we brought together all of our best friends in room 114 at our fraternity house. We weren't alphas, but we were friends with a lot of them. Um, you were a Phi Kappa Tau, Phi Kappa Tau, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I'm do, I do my research, brother. Group. Hey, thank you, man. It's cool. Really yeah. cool. But uh, we made a covenant with a group of best friends that we do everything we could to create a national movement to change that. So what? So how, what year were you? A, what year were you in college? That when you created the organization? I want to say I was a sophomore. Wow. 2012. So was, was it a number? Was it a number of your friends that did this? Was it you? No, a bunch of us. That's like, yeah, we, there's like 15, at least 15 co-founders, best friends mm. that stuck with this for the last near decade. Mm. And in that room, there was at least 10 people. A few more zoomed in. Might have been Skype. 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 Oh, Skype yeah, Skype. Oh, yeah. I forgot about they, that. They, they were doing good back then. They it, didn't really catch the Zoom train quite well. Yeah, I remember you said Skype, and I'm like thinking that reminds me of MySpace. and, and uh, <laughs> We had just one? transitioned from MySpace to Facebook, so. Yeah, and then back in the day before Google, there was Netscape. I mean, I'm just I'm dating myself here. Um, so that's that's pretty fascinating. So was now what's the young man's name that passed away? His name was Rafe. Rafe Macron. Do you have? Do you also do a, an annual event for him too? Yeah, yeah, we do a play for Rafe soccer game once a year that brings together all the OGs, all our childhood best friends. And now as we get older and bellies bigger and less hair in the head, it's really funny to see us match up against the younger kids. Uh, and Ray's family comes down to this event from Colorado where they live now. Did you just say Billy's bigger? You 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 can't be over. Th- you're not even you're not even thirty I'm, yet, are you? I'm not thirty yet, but some of my friends who have kids and don't have as much time to hit the gym or put the boots back on, That's yeah, no, they they got it. That Billy's gonna grow. So so okay, let's let's go backwards here. Now you you clearly have an amazing heart. Um, and I'm, no pun intended, uh, and, and, and you love human beings because you would not have been compelled to create such an organization as this. Um, tell, let's take, a, take, take it back to your childhood. How, what was it like growing up? You, did you come from a two-parent family? Did you have siblings? What was that like growing up? Yeah, I was super blessed. I have two amazing parents and a grandma that live nearby. So mm-hmm. my grandma, if, when my parents were at work, I was always at my grandma's house. Mm-hmm. She took us to school for a while. Um, I had three great people. I won the lottery, man, not including my brothers who I, I had four. There's three, four of us, the so three brothers mm. who always were pouring into us and made us believe that we could do anything. And at a really young age for me, um, my older brothers are my heroes in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but when they were younger, they had really difficult lives and faced demons that no one knew about at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And so both of them dropped out of high school. Mm. So my, I have a younger brother, but for me, I in sixth grade, when I transferred to the school, they went to, all I could think about was like, 
I will not make those mistakes. And at that time, I didn't understand the demons they were facing. I, since then, I learned. But, uh, but it was incredibly motivating. It's always been motivating. It. Just the, op- the idea of the opportunity that kids like Rafe mm-hmm. didn't get the opportunity. In a lot of ways, kids like my older brothers didn't get the opportunity. What made you, when you were growing up, like what was your go-to? Because I know you said that your brothers faced demons. And one of the things that we like to do on the show, we really like to examine um, the human spirit, the condition, uh, the the successes, and how we overcome adversity. And it's also the wording we use. A lot of times we say failure. I say opportunities missed, right? Some people say constructive criticism. Uh, to me, that's a double negative. I say um, feedback, right? And so what was your... What would you say um, was your what drove you? Um, you mentioned your brothers, but what are some of the things you did to keep focus on your schoolwork and and succeeding? Did you did you play video games growing up, or what was it that kept you going outside of soccer? FIFA definitely was big. Uh, mm-hmm. Gotta love FIFA. Arguably the best game ever created, okay. Dr. Mark. I, I got to hear the case for who's better than FIFA. Okay. But love FIFA. That that for sure helped. Um, you got some Madden folks out there. Be like, I'm Madden. And you have Call of Duty out here. To, to Call of Duty folks. Like, Call of Duty. Uh, yeah, but hey, FIFA's an awesome game. game man. Yeah. Sorry. Do you got you got skills in FIFA? In the sports context. I, in my mind, yeah, I'm really good at FIFA. Okay. In your mind. Okay. <laughs> So FIFA got you going, uh, playing soccer, FIFA, um, mm-hmm. the, the wanting to, to, to do well and, and please your parents because of some of the things that your brothers were challenged with. I know that feeling really well. Uh, I, I, the audience the audience knows this about me, that I was not a serious student. All my, my siblings were academic rock stars. There's four of us like yours, except for we have three boys oh, wow. and a girl. Uh, so we have that in common as well. But uh, I know what it's like to have those demons and not um, feel good about who you are and trying to figure out who you are. And then eventually, uh, at some point, you the rubber meets, rubber meets the road and you eventually find, you know, you look at yourself in the abyss and you have to look, you have to find yourself. And uh, and so it was wow. interesting that you went through this journey. Was there, was there a time when you were growing up and you were going through this journey and, and you were listening to your parents? And was there a time that you had to uh, confront or interact with your brothers and try to encourage them or motivate them? What was that like? Yeah, I think <clears throat> some dark, dark times behind these doors, but um, mm-hmm. about 15 or 16, I started sneaking out every night, just mostly out of, because due to insomnia, like I could not sleep and I wasn't doing anything crazy. Mm-hmm. But I needed to get out of the house mm-hmm. and I would take my grandmother's car like an idiot. And then eventually one night I got arrested mm-hmm. and it was quite the wake up call. Nothing serious, but dangerous. I was driving hundred miles an hour and do some stupid stuff. Wow. And my, I called my older brother who had now become a cop mm. and I was doing the reach out, like, don't tell mom, don't tell dad, help me out, get me out of here. And thank God he didn't. He, he told them immediately. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, so we went through that and that was you know, not that big of a deal in the grand scheme, but a true wake up call, like looking at a fork in the road that I hadn't come out and spoke about the demons that were you know, going on that were similar to my older brothers. And that I think also kind of woke my older brothers up too. Mm. And so together, our family came together to to chase these demons and just never have said this, but complete transparency for us. It was a someone we considered a part of our family who was molesting us growing up. Mm. Um, and you know, the older you get, the more you realize similar to the cardiac arrest thing, how common that is for kids, mm. that there's some sort of predator that people don't realize is in their life or in their inner circles. Wow. So, it was a wild thing to face the family and I've never really talked about it. And I'd like to be more open about it because 
Uh, it's just a part of everybody's journey and it's not unique. Um, and hopefully that can help somebody that thought. Wow. Uh, look, everyone. Okay. Everyone knows my shows about empowerment and looking into the spirit and human condition of people. And yes, Evan, we want you to talk about that. Uh, we encourage you to and on this show. On this show, Dr. Mark's Masterclass, that's what the Masterclass is about. The Masterclass is about who who are you? What skill sets have you have you incurred, developed? What kind of person are you? Where, where did you come from? And that's your Masterclass. You are, you are the expert of who you are. And it doesn't matter what walk of life you come from, what your socioeconomic background, what your race, class, or gender is. None of that matters. What matters is what makes you unique and how do you get to where you are and where did you come from? And we, we dive into that. And sometimes it's, it's, it's a dark, scary place. And uh, Lewis Johnson, who's my colleague, he's uh, one of the greatest uh, journalists on the planet. And he he dived, he dove into me trying to ask me questions. And, and he, you know, did his research on me. And, and I had to I had to come out and say, yeah, these are the things that happened in my life. And these are the things that made me who I am. And now this is my master class. Evan, this is your master class, brother. And yeah. uh, we, we, we know <laughs> this that. This is for the grandkids, man. Yes. <laughs> and here's the great thing about this, Evan, is that uh, the things that you just talked about, even though you didn't dive into it, we're not going to have you dive into all that right now. If you're not comfortable, we want you to focus on how the things that happened to you and then the thing that happened at 16 really kind of you kind of, like you said, a crossroads in your life. And that got you to the point of really thinking about people, places and things and yourself and your, your future. Um, did you, did you now start, did you, did you see a change in yourself now? Like, Hey, I think it's time to step up to the plate and, and knock this out the ballpark. When, at what point did you feel that you were changing and, and evolving as a young man? Yeah. 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 So that, that is a huge moment, man, that fork in the road, because my, our parents at that point knew had what had happened to all of us growing up and we were going through the core battles, everything else. And it was heavy on a, a you know, teenager that's still trying to figure himself out. Mm. So at that time, the church definitely helped a lot. My mom immediately canceled all soccer, put me in the church, sent me off to, you know, church camp, which I was super pissed about. Mm. Um, and arguably as important as that, my mom forced extreme ownership over this situation. Mm. So I had to stand before our soccer parents, the soccer team, the coach, every group I was ever a part of to stand up and tell the story and own it and apologize and own that it was just a, you know, idiot teenager and I, and I got to do better. Wow. So what was that like, uh, you know, having that, um, come to Jesus meeting, uh, so to speak, uh, when you realize that you now have to, uh, kind of make amends and really start speaking your truth to people. Was that difficult for you? wasn't as difficult as I had expected. It mm. felt good, honestly. Right? It felt mm. really good just standing up and owning it and pounding the chest and realize mm. I'm not, you know, at the end of the day, this charge isn't that serious. Thank God nobody died. Right. And I'm one of the lucky ones who will get a second chance, maybe third here. So at the very least, like now I'd, recognizing the opportunity like let's own the hell out of it mm -hmm. now with you know now let's, let's speed up to when you start making decisions because that was um you know in your later your latter part of your teenage years what what made you decide to go to florida state what was what was it about florida state and did you play soccer there when you were there i wish i wish maybe you can help with that the acc at least uh, a lot of the schools don't have soccer florida state included they don't have men's soccer they have a mm -hmm. club team but <clears throat> I, I was between two two schools west virginia or florida state I had visited West Virginia University. My whole family in West Virginia. You know, I'm a, you know, I'm a mountaineer, yeah, right? Yeah, you got your PhD there. I saw that. I forgot wow. That. That's awesome. <laughs> we can't make, look, we can't make this stuff up. I, I, <laughs> I had no idea his family went to West Virginia. Mountaineers. 
Did they sing Country Roads by John, John, John Denver? John Blessed, man. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. Country Roads, I'm not going to go take me home, Mountain Mama. <laughs> yeah, that's that's our theme song. That's what we talk about, Mountain Mama. So I can go into, but let me stop. Anyway, this is about you today. Go ahead. So tell me about your family in West Virginia. Go ahead. So my grandfather was a the vice president of West Virginia. My grandmother and their family is all West Virginia, from Morgantown to Charleston to every corner of that state, coal miners, journalists, all sorts of things. So a big part of who I am, I grew up on the edge of a couch, listening to my grandma and grandpa, like you're still alive, share story after story of fighting for the underdog, whether it was in the coal mines or, you know, uh, integration of schools or, um, you know, dirty politicians. This is just every story in my whole life in journalists. So yeah, West Virginia is a big part of me that I never lived there. Wait, wait, how, how did you not go to West Virginia then, if that's the case? I know you like the warm weather in Florida. I know you lived in Florida. This, but- this is going to crack you up. I just remembered this story. Wow. So, I, all right. So, I'm here I am, 16 years old. I really want to go to WVU. At this point, I am, up until recently, I refused to say I was from anywhere but West Virginia, even mm-hmm. though it wasn't true. And my grandparents really encouraged it as a kid. My grandma did. So, they wrote a letter to the governor back when I was in third grade, refusing to say I'm from Florida. And they sent me an honorary West Virginian packet. What? So like this really reinforced the belief, I'm from West Virginia. And then fast forward, I tried to use that to, at WVU to get in-state tuition. Out-of-state tuition is why I didn't go to West Virginia, man. Expensive out-of-state. He, he's so, bringing right out my little John to me right now. What? <laughs> what? What? Are you serious? <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I, I was really injured. I had ended up needing five knee surgeries and I did not think soccer was going to be like a sustainable path for me as much as I wanted to do nothing but soccer. I had two loves. Entrepreneurship was one of them. I had a lawn mowing business that was a lot of fun in high school and uh, I had to shut it down due to some sort of weird lawsuit scenario that down the road, but that's probably for another story. Uh, and ended up going to Florida State and they had an emerging entrepreneurship program that they were pouring resources and money and talent into. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I wanted to do. So I won the lottery. Wow, and I yeah. liked Florida State because Bobby Bowden, my parent, my grandparents loved Bobby Bowden. Wow. Interesting. Who was the dean in the College of Business there at the time? When I was there in the entrepreneurship business, uh, it was Dr. Fiorino. Okay. Because I, I, they, they recruited me to come to do my my uh, my PhD there, actually. Uh, I was this close to going to Florida State, man. I was, that would have been wild. Yeah, I, I, almost, I almost went there. But I didn't want to do sport management. And I didn't want to do business at the time. Mm-hmm. It was 2009. And uh, yeah. Wow, uh, that's when I was just getting there. Yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> And I would have yeah. been walking right by you on campus and everything. Yeah, crazy. So you went to WVU in 2009? I was there in 2000, 2011. Yeah. Okay, 11. 2011. Yeah, 2011, I decided to do my doctorate there in, in education. And, um, but yeah, 2009, I was ready. And then instead of doing that, I decided to be the the president and uh, head of Circle City Classic, which was the largest black event uh, in the college sporting event in the country at the time. Uh, we had about, we get we tracked over 60,000 uh, uh, people to come to this uh, black college football game in the middle of Indiana in Indianapolis. Wow. Yeah. And averaged about 300,000 people per the weekend. Yeah. So I was wow. ahead of that. Yeah. So I turned down Dang. Florida State to do that. 
Dang, that was the biggest in the country. That's a lot of people. Yeah, man. it was. It was bigger than it was bigger than the Bayou Classic and the Florida Classic. Yeah, absolutely. I was about to say if it competes with the Florida Classic, I've, I've been in the Florida Classic with, uh, with a couple buddies. Yeah, that's wild. But man, <laughs> see, this this is what I'm talking about: having a man that's cultured, that's been around the block a few times, been to an HBCU game, seen the Battle of the Bands. He knows what time it is, and he went to Florida State, grew up in a small town, and his brother. You can tell he's got swag by the way he talks, Dude, by I the way he moves. Cookman, even though I grew up in Tally, I give it to Bethune Cookman because. My buddy Dre Channel was an alpha buffoon in the band. Is an alpha. That so, was an alpha. Is yeah, yeah, an alpha yeah, yeah, always every day. And you know Dr. King. Alphas hold on to it a lot longer. Exactly. And you know Dr. King. You know Dr. King is an is an alpha, right? Yeah, it's amazing, man. Yes, yes. Ice cold, right? Yes, ice cold. Look, I can't, I can't school this cat. He, he knows, he knows what, he knows what it is. He knows what time it is. This is a cool brother here. I got to remind everybody. Uh, this we're with the Esports Future Out Podcast Network, Innovation Media Enterprise with Tia and Aaron. Uh, thank you so much, uh, AJ, holding it down for us. And I'm Dr. Mark Williams. We're talking to Evan Ernst about his uh, company, his brand, who we play for. And we got off on a tangent talking about so many things about him growing up and his family values. And and th- this show is not just about video games and gaming and pop culture. It's really about who we are, the essence of who we are, our mind, body, and soul, what, who, who, we, who we want to become, what were we before, what led us to where we are now. Um, that's so important. And I think a lot of times we get so caught up in, uh, well, I am this and I'm the vice president of this and I uh, had a startup fund and that's nice, but who are you? Okay. How did you get here? And why did you get here? And who, what is your, what, what is your why? Right. And I wanted to do a show that really talked about that. And if if you've been listening, if you haven't been listening and you want to listen, go back and play rewind, rewind it and go back and listen to what we started talking about. There's a lot of things to unpack here that Evan spoke to us about and how we led him to the journey of being a co-founder executive director for who we play for. Um, and again, uh, the mission of who we play for is to reduce the sudden cardiac arrest in youth by providing affordable cardiac, cardiac screening. So let's speed it up again uh, and talk a little bit about uh, when you left uh, Florida State, you decided to go to UPenn, uh, Ivy League school, one of the best schools in the country, got your master's there. What drove you to go to UPenn and what was your mindset when you went there as far as what you wanted to do for your career? So I just finished up at Florida State at the time and I for better or worse, one of the three undergrad degrees, one for both my older brothers who never had a chance to go to college. And we were able to leverage a lot of FSU's resources to just give us class credits to work on our vision and our dream, which is mm-hmm. who we play for. Mm-hmm. So God bless Florida State and Dr. Osteen and many more and Dr. Dever and Ron Frazier for just empowering college kids on, on their vision because they did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. And then from there, man, we worked for four or five years on the who we play for dream in the trenches. Mm-hmm. At one point, I bought a 12-foot pink trailer with no AC, no anything, put it in my uh, one of my best friend's backyards and lived in her backyard with, <clears throat> with nothing for about a year just mm-hmm. to try and cut costs and stay focused and eliminate all, everything else that's swirling around. Uh, and so once we got the who we play for a train really running well and turned into a well-oiled machine, um, I, I knew I wanted to get a master's. And when I, as soon as I had graduated from FSU, I stumbled across the program at UPenn, which focused on social entrepreneurship. And I went up there and I met with uh, a fantastic human named Adam um, who runs the program. And we talked about it when I was 23. And I told him, yes, of course, I want to go to this school. Of course, this is very expensive and that's going to be a problem. But also, I don't think I have the GPA to get into mm. this school. 
uh, just being completely real here. I mean, you see, you see what they say on Google to get into a school like that. And I was ready to stay away just from there. What, 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 um, what was your GPA? It was like three, four, three, five. Like I, I was, I wanted to dominate. I was, I was interested in school, but I had a 15 to 20 credit hour semester every, every single time for that three degree vision. Mm. And between that and running our business, it was pretty tough to do better than that. Did you, did you hear what he said? He, he said he stumbled on to an Ivy league program <laughs> who stumbles <laughs> onto an Ivy league program. And he said, I said, he said, I didn't have the grades. I'm like, what would your GPA three, four? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That might be magna cum laude, maybe possibly. And maybe it may or may not get you there, but I always say this to people. It's not who, you know, it's who knows you. Let me repeat that again. It's not who you know, it's who knows you. You're talking to the guy that had the 1.7, but I got two master degrees and a doctorate. What? Yeah. Anyway, let's go back to you, amazing. my brother. Okay. That's amazing, man. Yes. That's yes. fantastic. Oh, yeah. We got many things to talk about, brother. A lot of things in yeah. common we have with each other. That's Everyone goes through adversity, but we all experience it differently. And it's how you decide to rise from that adversity. Mm -hmm. And that's the crux of what this program's about, the Dr. Mark's Masterclass, is that you are the master. You're the master of who you are, and you are the expert. And so we want to shed that knowledge because a lot of people right now listening, they might be stuck. They are maybe trying to discover who they are. They're trying to say, I want to be the next ninja. I want to be the next uh, the, the winner of the national winning call of duty or whatever. But but where you are right now, you have to whatever you're at, wherever you are right now, you have to look at who you are, where you're trying to go. And you don't know how your decisions, your current decisions can impede your future decisions. And so we want to encourage you to be encouraged by the people that we're talking to. It may re you may relate to it. You may not relate to it. But at the end of the day, you want to hear people's master classes and who they are. You, your own, your own, your own, you're your own, um, your expert at what you do. And so, Evan, so when you got to UPenn, I noticed that you, uh, after you graduated from there, you worked for Camp uh, Bogey Creek, uh, Florida Center for Research, uh, Reading and Research. Um, why didn't you go straight into the nonprofit and just dive dive into it right away? What was, what were these other you know side sidebars of of your journey of getting to uh, being full time and as the executive director? And so those are part time gigs actually. So the FCRR thing in Tallahassee, mm -hmm. run by a guy named Jimmy Cole. He he invested in us like almost no other, mm -hmm. and um, that was just a part time gig where he pretty much mentored us, gave us some office space, mm -hmm. and we would tag in, tag out when he needed help for some just like education, research, mm -hmm. and expansion type stuff. To um, like as far as like access goes mm -hmm. across the state of Florida and throughout the South, Boggy Creek. I, there's nothing I can recommend more. And if anyone if you if anyone's going to listen to a 15 second spiel let this be the one but boggy creek's a camp for kids with life-threatening and terminal illnesses just north of orlando completely mm -hmm. free of charge started by paul newman one of my old fraternity brothers mm -hmm. by tall um paul and newman. we I, I i work there every single summer that are in college and i go back i try and go back once a semester at least and that's where i met a lot of the alphas from bethune cookman actually too oh wow Some fantastic guys it's interesting. Paul Newman, he makes those great salad dressings with uh, vinegar oil. Uh, All profits charity, they say, yeah. Yeah. So tell me, so what made you, I guess because your your friend that, that passed in, in high school, um, did you find yourself being more empathetic to, to wanting to, to um, be in a space spaces where you got a chance to save the lives or deal with the lives of people that were not, that may not be as fortunate as you as far as the, their physical health? I think that's definitely a part of it, but more than that, 
that is a part of it. But the biggest part is probably like the family dynamic, like learning from my dad and my mom, and my grandma, like what it looks like to be a good human that invests in people you care about in your community, whether it's your story or through action. Um, and then just seeing like learning about the struggle and like the little bit of struggle that we went through growing up. Mm-hmm. So, it's so easier to have empathy. So the, so, so now do you find yourself, uh, how do you identify when you, cause everyone let's, let's again, let's talk about the mission of, of, of the, uh, who we play for is to reduce the sudden cardiac arrest in youth by providing affordable cardiac screening. Uh, how do you identify families and what are the demographics that you, cause you know, we talked about African-Americans, uh, proportionately, uh, die at, uh, with the heart disease more than any, 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 uh, race out there. How do you identify um, the the people that you're going after screening and what are the people that who are the people that you've screened so far uh, because as you know um, this game this show is we're on the esports a future Ride podcast network so we, we talk about esports and video games on here but who are the people that you target currently right now and how old are these young people so in the program history so far we've screened over 150,000 student athletes mm-hmm. um, across 500 communities in the country from the most vulnerable middle school to big division one athletics to soon to be the Palestine national team in the Middle East. Mm. Um, We bring together the leading experts in the world medically to support this program and a volunteer Mm -hmm. to help drive down the cost. So it's affordable for Mm -hmm. people. The tests that we provide, they typically say cost $150. We provide it for $20 and the test is an electrocardiogram also known as an ECG or EKG. It can identify anywhere from 80 to 95% of the heart conditions. Mm. The change we're trying to make in the world is that when kids like Rafe took their physical, they signed the bottom more as an exercise and liability, not healthcare. And that that physical will mess, miss like 90 to 95% of heart conditions. And there's some studies that say 99% of heart conditions. Mm. So it's actually not doing anything for your heart. But in other countries, this is a required standard of care like Italy. For the guy who created that policy, Dr. Policia in 1982, is on our medical advisory team. Mm. And in their country, they were able to reduce cardiac arrest by 90%. Mm. In our country, since 1982, we haven't reduced cardiac arrest by 1%. And we've put billions into AEDs, which are the things that will shock you back to life, and the CPR and action plans. All things that are crazy needed, all things that have saved thousands of lives. But when the issue is this big, it's pretty insane that we aren't looking for the underlying um, root of the problem, the heart condition that can very often be detected before. So wh- what are we seeing? We screen every ethnicity, every type of kid, every sport. And thanks to you, really, Dr. Mark, we had no idea um, the black box of the gaming industry. Mm-hmm. We didn't know a lot about it, but in just talking to you and researching um, and having stumbled across dozens of stories and parents over the last eight years who've lost their kids who were gamers. And I've heard many, many stories of gamers jacked up on Red Bull who had an underlying heart condition, who had no clue and the ticking time bomb in their chest finally goes off. Mm. So what's wild is if you catch that, which again, you can 80 to 95% of the time, then in our program, we've had 156 kids with life threatening conditions, only about a dozen who were unable to return to their sport, like basketball, whatever it may be. A lot of kids will have uh, something called an ablation surgery or another medical intervention. But in a lot of cases, kids are coming back within a week or a few weeks. 
mm. after being identified with a life-threatening heart condition. Wow. So I, I want to go back to this uh, scary statistics. So you said since 1982, um, we have not uh, made any, uh, any inroads in America uh, with heart con- of solving heart condition. Um, how, how is that possible? So this topic, believe it or not, has been debated. Should we or should we not screen our student athletes and students for decades? And in the ivory towers of medicine, it's controversial. Um, in October, we presented to every single pedi- pediatric doctor in the United States a few hours after Dr. Fauci. Now, we only had eight minutes, but we got in there, got out. And it was about Brevard County being the first school district in America its size to require heart screens for every kid and the results since. So in our mind, it was the beginning of dropping the mic to prove that this is a standard of care that should be done in America. How is it possible that, you know, we, we waited this long? And to me, it's just a lack of creativity and understanding and what technology can do through telemedicine. And just, and you're an academic a little bit, so you probably know how this works, but academics not getting in the arena and uh, working out the details. I, I mean, I'm, I'm blown away. I mean, I remember... When we did our physicals in high school and college, I'm trying to remember, did I ever get an EK? I got an EKG done my, I'm trying to think, my sophomore and junior year um, because they were looking at people that were potentially going to make the Olympic trials. I didn't make it uh, when I was in college. I almost made the Olympic trials, but I didn't make it. Right. Um, but that was the only time. Or the Olympic training center, mm-hmm. you're getting it. Or you go to a, a, a top tier school, you might get it. Why, why do you think people are so reluctant to do that? I mean, it's not like it's a controversial thing. You want to know what's going on with your heart and, 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 and the rest of your body. So why isn't that included in the physicals, you think? I think in big, large part, lack of advocacy. Because when you see these thousands of stories like our teammate who die every year, you almost never until recently would hear them talk about how it's a detectable heart condition. They would say things like, you know, where was the AD? How can we prepare for the reactive strategy, never the proactive strategy. I think it's just like the paradigm shift of what we can do as a community, one big community to get kids before you're in a three minute drill to save their life. And it's not but expensive. cost is one of the big things. Oh, the, also cost. Now we, we've proven cost isn't as, as big of a deal since we're charging $20. But up until when we first got this going, they would say, of course, FSU can do this, you know, massive institution. And schools like FSU do it because they've had a kid die. Mm. That's how this has worked for a long time. Kids die, and then people respond, and that's pretty messed up. Do you remember Hank Gathers? Your story of Hank Gathers? Of yeah. yeah. So what? I mean, everyone knows uh, Loyola Marymount, uh, nineteen ninety one, I believe. It was right around the time I was in school. And Hank Gathers is one of the greatest, one of the greatest college basketball players of all time. Uh, he's playing basketball. Um, he, um, Bo Kimball was one of his teammates, and they they were out there playing for Loyola Marymount. Uh, Paul Westhead, the head coach, and uh, he goes up for a dunk, and he comes down, and he collapses. He collapses in the middle of the game and falls to his knees. And man, six foot eight, two fifty, and just dies right there and then and there. And 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 he knew they knew the doctors knew. What really what really concerned me. That's a whole other topic. The um, the athletic trainers they told the family, they told the coach that he's got a heart condition, and they still let him play. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how, how how do you reconcile that when uh, when uh, when uh, when a university official they they don't care about the well being of the athlete but 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 really I'm not again I'm not disrespecting yeah, yeah, or saying anything bad about the, uh, the university but in general how do how do we how do we uh, coach coaches and administrators to take this more seriously especially when they find out that the athlete student athlete has a uh, underlying heart a heart condition. 
Absolutely. And I don't know a lot about like the nuance of that case. And sometimes there's kids who have really serious heart conditions who under the care of their physician with medicine like beta blockers, they, they allow to play. But the, what is not debatable is after he went down, that community did not do a good job on responding as cardiac arrest. And I, I don't remember the exactly, but it was similar to the Keontae Johnson scenario. Mm-hmm. If you saw it on FSU, on our, our alma mater here, on our uh, basketball court, where he went down and uh, they haven't come out with all the info, but it looked a lot like a group of people not responding and giving CPR and mm-hmm. immediate AED out of fear of doing it in front of a crowd. So there's no reason to put any Hank Gathers or Keontae Johnson on a stretcher and take them back and waste the valuable few minutes you have to save their life out of fear of what the crowd will react to when you're doing CPR and AED. Um, but yeah, it's wild, man. It really is. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions on based going back to your question is that every time, and maybe this is more common in the high school level on kids from certain communities whose families don't want them to participate because they've really bought the, this will DQ my kid. And now we won't have a way, whatever it may be to, for him to go to college. And that's really sucks because that's a sad America that has communities thinking the only way out is through a sport in the, you know, miracle scholarship. And uh, what we try and do really hard is just front load the information that like, we've set up the systems where when America's most vulnerable kid is flagged, he's going to get the same level of care as America's richest kid. Because this shouldn't be an issue where it's your socioeconomic status, your geographic location, or the sport you play that determines if you live or die. Not in America. Let me, let me read something to you. This, this is something that concerns me, especially for our audience and parents, we're not trying to scare you, but we want you to pay close attention to what kind of games your kids are playing at home, um, as well as your spouse or your or your significant other. Um, there, there's there's been um, research done that there's certain games that are that intensifies your heartbeat, a regular creates irregular heartbeats, and um, and I'm wondering. Um, when you have an irregular heartbeat, uh, that would that be another way to detect whether or not the person has uh, some kind of underlying condition? Uh, or should, should parents be doing this on a regular basis anyway? And when they do their annual checkup with their children, should they be going in to get an EKG? Uh, because people think EKG, that something's wrong with your kid's heart. But do you think, as if you're a parent right now, you become a parent and blessed to become a parent in a year or two or 10 years or whenever it is, are you going to be uh, making sure that your children um, or your child uh, is getting an EKG when they're getting a physical. Absolutely, yeah. And I've, there's recommendations all over the place on what years. But uh, recently, Dr. Vicki Vetter at CHOP up in Philadelphia had this conversation with her. And what we recommend is at least in kindergarten and then in middle school, fifth or sixth grade time every single year after that throughout development. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll for sure request it. And, and the unfortunate reality is if you request it right now for your pediatrician, which you definitely should, there's still a lot of education that needs to go on from the top down and the pediatricians. Mm. Pediatricians are overworked, working their tail off and, and have a lot of things to manage, especially in the COVID era, right. which is up the ante so much for these heart issues. But it's coming to them, this like you know very important research groups like who we play for in the Moors and UCF Medical School just put out. Okay. 
Well, let me read this to you. It says, a handful of video gamers have passed out when intense tensions cause their heartbeat to lapse into an irregular rhythm known as arrhythmia. And so obviously you're familiar with that. So again, when it comes to uh, young people that are playing video games, uh, how do we how do we communicate this message to the parents and to uh, school systems to, 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 to take uh, heed to this when they're doing physicals for young people? Uh, how would you go about recommending a, to a parent uh, that's maybe unaware of what you do, but uh, they may be unaware that their child might have this because the people thinking that uh, underlying heart conditions is for people in their 40s and 50s and 60s that might have smoked and they might have eat a lot of food to, cl- to clog up their arteries. I mean, so how, can you explain to people that that this has that that's part of it, but there's also it's hereditary, but there's also many ways that a person could uh, to, uh, could obtain this. Yeah. So the three things, if you're a parent listening to this, I would do is one demand your kid to have their heart screened, whether they've shown a symptom or not. Not everybody shows a symptom. Symptom is a blessing from God. And what I mean by symptom is fainting, chest pain, shortness of breath, palpitations, like your heart racing. If you have those symptoms, you should really go get a full cardiac workup from a pediatric cardiologist or adult cardiologist. If you don't, then you need to demand it for your kid because obviously, and I'm not a parent, I can't wait to be, but Nobody advocates for your kid. No one really cares like for your kid like you do, obviously. So you got to demand this for your kid. That'd be number one. Number two, I think one thing I'm realizing right now is there's a lot to learn on the physical process for these gamers. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to work with you, Dr. Mark, to figure out how do we replicate some of the education bills that we've worked with, like athletic associations like the AAU and FHSAA and um, many more. Uh, to get this to y'all as well. We call it the Sudden Cardiac Arrest Prevention Act. Right now, we're working with Russell Westbrook to do this across the AU. Mm. He watched his best friend die at the same age we did, 15 years old, same heart condition, collapse and die at an AU practice. So wow. this is just like a very simple video to educate families that isn't your boring, classic, like public health video, a very simple quiz for coaches to take uh, or trainers to take and then a one-page form to educate parents. Mm-hmm. And the third thing is, I think what we could do with y'all is go to these major gaming tournaments in the different pockets of the country, the same thing we do with the AU, and set this opportunity up for every gamer. Wow. Yeah, I think that that's, that's pretty powerful. So Russell Westbrook had a, a, had a friend that died similar to yours. Wow. Um, what do you uh, – because I'm curious about – uh, the reluctancy of parents and uh, organizations, but you obviously have had success with many major, large organizations. Uh, is there any reluctancy of, of parents or organizations that are, are that, that will say, no, we don't want to do it, or, oh, it's going to cost a certain amount of money, even though you have proven that it's not, it's cost effective? What what has been your, what has been some of the, the uh, challenges uh, that you've, that you've faced? I think the Mount Rushmore of challenges that we face is that if you people just do not realize how big of an issue this is mm-hmm. and that how big of a critical public health issue this is. And when you put it into context, it's just hard to believe. And it's never to diminish any death when I say this, but it's to just draw out the public health picture. Mm-hmm. And if you were to add up kids that die of cancer every year, kids that die from drowning, kids that die from gun violence, kids that die from concussions, sickle cell, the heat stroke, it's still not even close mm-hmm. to how many kids die a year of sudden cardiac arrest. And anyone who follows this research on cardiac arrest knows that we really don't even have a great idea of how many kids die of SCA, sudden cardiac arrest, every single year. So even the low bowl numbers are more than all of those added up. 
And do you ever see this in the news? Do you ever see this advocated for in the commercial, in the movie theater? Not at all. But you see groups like the American Cancer Society do a fantastic job advocating for people with cancer to get things like mammograms. And when you compare a mammogram as a preventative screening tool to an EKG or ECG heart screening, it makes ECGs look absolutely amazing because they're not really comparable. And I love that women are getting mammograms. It's fantastic. But I also think kids should have their heart checked too. And the final piece I think that really sucks on this in this space is that if you suffer cardiac arrest, you die nine out of 10 times. If you, if you survive, you are a miracle child. Mm. And there's way more dead kids than there are living kids. And what's left behind when a kid dies, a community, a family, and a team that's destroyed. And, it, and it's a lot to ask these communities to step up from their pain and their grief to advocate and fight for this. They're still trying to figure out how you move through the loss of someone you love. So sudden cardiac arrest, that's SCA. So you're saying that more kids die of this than than adults do, would you say? No, 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 no. Way more adults, but uh, but more kids as far as like the childhood killers. Right. It's the leading cause of death in childhood killers. Wow. Not cancer. Not cancer. Not even close. So, and I, again, we, I worked at Boggy Creek. I worked with tons of kids who had cancer and a few that lost their life. Kate Eckley and his family who, you know, super close with, I think about every single day, but Cade represents 700 kids who die every single year of cancer. And there should be no shortage of dollars spent on saving those kids. But if you frame this up on some sort of vision board, and then you look at sudden cardiac arrest and consider there's 7,000 to 10,000 kids who are losing their life to SCA, but nobody knows what it is and there's nothing being done preventively. That's pretty insane. Wow. Man, well, we're we're excited uh, that you uh, are passionate about this, uh, Evan, uh, who we play for. Remind you, everyone, once again, is one of the largest heart screening nonprofits in the country. Their mission is to reduce the sudden cardiac arrest in youth by providing affordable cardiac screening. Uh, Those parents that are out there listening, I hope that uh, what Evan said today, some of the things we talked about today uh, can be a blessing to you and your family and that you seriously consider uh, getting your child screened as well as yourself. Uh, it's personal to me because um, my dad, uh, he's, he's alive, so thank goodness he's 75, and my dad suffered three heart attacks. He's had three heart attacks. He, he has cardiac, cardi, uh, cardiac disease, and we don't, my siblings and I, we, none of us have it, thank goodness. So I don't know if it's hereditary. I'm not sure what it is, but I, I, I consistently go and get my heart checked. Um, and now that I've met Evan, um, you know, it reminds me that I really need, probably need to get it checked even more so because, um, you know, we're, we're, we're now looking at potentially working with the historically black colleges uh, on how to uh, get their student athletes checked uh, regularly and then maybe move it into the, the general population as well. And as you know, that population at HBCUs and the black community is the number one killer of, of, black, of black people. Uh, is heart disease. And uh, now COVID, um, unfortunately, is number one <laughs> right now, which is kind of scary. Um, but uh, but yeah, Evan, thank you so much for, for for schooling us and educating us. I'm looking forward to finally meeting you in person. I know that uh, our cop, my colleague, Elise uh, Carlson, a dear friend, she's the head athletic trainer at uh, Florida Memorial University in uh, Miami, Florida. And uh, Elise brought uh, Evan to my attention a few weeks ago. And uh, we had a conference call a few weeks ago. And I, I realized I need to bring him on the show because it is important because we need to look at uh, the potential of what's going to happen with our young people that are playing video games. Uh, we don't know what the underlying condition is of, of who they are.
are in their health. We we don't even think about even getting them screened, uh, even when they're playing video games. We don't look at them as athletes, we don't, but we need to because there's a significant amount of, of brain and heart and movement that is going on with young people when they're why anyone that's playing a video game. You're not just sitting there sedentary just, mind, just playing the game. There's a lot of things that are happening to you uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually when you're playing a video game or you're doing anything actively. So, um, so Evan, thank you so much for coming and, and, and sharing some knowledge and spitting your fire and, and your, and your masterclass. How did you feel today? How does, how did, how did you feel about talking today? We, we've been on, you know, almost 50 minutes now. Um, it feels like we've been talking for, for, for days. Um, and I could talk to you for days about downloading this, but how did you feel about coming on the masterclass today? Hey, I loved it. I hope it was interesting for the viewers, man. This, this was awesome. Though. There's a lot of turns I didn't expect to take on this. Yeah. Uh, that's for sure. Um, but it just hit me as we're talking, like, why not? Why not make this the moment right now? Just be totally transparent and open about the journey. And I think, thank you. Really, thank you. Because the whole name, who we play for and what we're trying to represent here is every kid who never had the opportunity. And that includes gamers. For the generation of kids who never got to grow up, we will advance the standard of care. And that includes for gamers. And so when you're done, I know you've done a lot. I know that in a lot of different industries, you know, a lot of different people. I know you're a big deal, but I think that when it's all said and done, what you can do for the HBCUs and for the gamers, especially if you're able to help drive this standard of care forward and make this a thing and the expectation and the culture, there'll be an army of kids who get to grow up who will be able to say that, oh, Dr. Williams, yeah, he brought the screens here. Great. Bro. And then we'll get them on your master's class. I love it. Love it. And uh, as you say that, uh, you know, I tell people what I do now, my why right now is my leg is legacy time. I've been fortunate and blessed to have had a wonderful career. Um, I No, I'm only 51, guys. At the same time, <laughs> I feel like I've lived a lifetime of going through a lot of my life. And it's, like, it's time to give back. And um, and one of the ways that I, I definitely want to give back is by doing a master class such as this, uh, but also uh, mean something meaningful and giving back and also educating people in, in, in advocacy. And uh, we will, one of the things that I will definitely do, I promise you this, as I told you, I will work with you, um, you know, till, till the end, uh, trying to find ways to get this into Congress and getting bills passed, um, getting this to HBCUs, but also getting this into the school system and getting it into the the mindset of, of, of Americans, period, that this is something that's necessary as for our young people and older people to get EKGs. And, and it's, and it's, and it's affordable. So again, uh, let's thank Evan Ernst, who's a co-founder and executive director of Who We Play For. Uh, reminder, it's one of the largest health screening and nonprofits in the country, and their mission is to reduce sudden cardiac arrest and youth by providing affordable cardiac screening. And so we're looking to bring this into the video game industry. If it's not there yet, we need to advocate for it. I will definitely be the poster child for it. And I want to say again, thank you to Ernest Ernst. That's E-R-N-S-T-E-R. <laughs> R-N-S-T, E-R-N-S-T. That's right. Let's give it up for Ernest, my friends. Yes. Yes. Thank, Thank you. you, Ernest, for being an advocate. And uh, we want to say to you again, uh, remember, remember, we want to remind you that you cannot control anybody but yourself. Okay? You can do three things. You can control three things. What you think, what you do, and what you say. Remind you again what you think, what you do, and what you say. I want to encourage you all to practice social distancing, six feet apart, watch your hands, you know, sanitize, you know, wear your mask, always wear your mask. Please continue to do that, my friends. And uh, you're listening to the Esports Future 
Esports Futurewide Podcast Network, powered by Innovation Media Enterprises. We want to thank our amazing producers and directors, Aaron and Sia. Thank you so much. Always holding it down. Uh, we got to also thank my man, AJ, making me sound so good on the ones and twos and the wheels of steel. That's what we got to say. I, that's just part of the culture. You know what I'm saying? But yes, he's a sound engineer. Great young man. And uh, we got to thank Jacob Miles III, the RZA. That's the head. Yeah, I always incorporate hip hop into it. If you don't know what Wu-Tang Clan is, look it up, my friends. Okay? Wu-Tang, the head, the RZA. That is Jacob Miles III. Not the first, not the second, but the third. Thank you so much. God bless you all. We'll see you soon on Dr. Mark's Masterclass. Peace. Thanks for listening to Dr. Mark's Masterclass. I pray you enjoyed yourself today. I had a good time. I don't know about you, but this podcast is part of the Esports Futurewide Podcast Network and is produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and let us know how we're doing by leaving a comment or a review. Class dismissed. Class dismissed.